0: Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say nothing bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out and if your foot causes you to stumble cut it off it is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell and if your eye causes you to stumble pluck it out it is better for you to enter the kingdom of god with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die And the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning.
1: Thank you for being here in person, those of you joining us online, and thank you to Troy and Jack and Brad and our worship team for bringing us uh, worship this morning. Uh, I just need to, if it it happens to be your first time joining us, uh, last week we actually, um, we had this pastor appreciation week that uh, our staff just got completely under my radar and uh, a lady came up and asked, she said, um, did you plan this for yourself? And, and I, I said no, and she just kind of looked at me funny. But no, this is not the norm, okay? Just if it's your first time joining us, this is not what we usually do. Uh, we also had our newcomer luncheon last week, and um, Chris, Chris, if you're here, she came to the luncheon. I said, Chris, it is not like this, okay? So don't go tell everybody we're giving away free food and cookies and all that, um, but we, we are glad you joined us. Um, with that being said, one thing that has been the norm for us, we've been going through the book of Mark, if you're just joining us, and we've been going through the book of Mark and things have kind of taken a turn. You know, Mark begins and all these people are drawn to Jesus. They see all these miracles and that may even describe your journey, right? A lot of times we, we look at a journey with, with God and we think, gosh, what can it do for me? And so this crowd begins to build and build and build, and people are following Jesus everywhere. And then when we got to Mark chapter 8, Jesus, it's like he hit reset on everything. And he began to say some things that I think would drive many of us away. He begins to, he begins to cultivate his disciples. And he says, look, here's what a life of following Jesus actually looks like. And suddenly, it's like they're going on repeat mode of some things they'd seen before, but looking with different lenses. And he reminds some of them that, hey, you are not the source of ministry. I am. And then he brings them into the idea that, hey, there's going to be some suffering involved with following Jesus. And then he moves it into there's a, there's a certain selflessness that has to take place in the form of serving other people. In fact, that's really where we landed last week. This idea that when you know that God is for you, you can put, you are freed to put others before you. Remember we landed there last week? That when you become so assured at the heart level that God is for you because of what he did at the cross and what, when he was talking to them, what he would do at the cross, you have the freedom. It won't take away from you to put other people before you. Now, uh, I, I want to uh, have each of you turn to the person next to you, and, and I, I want to bring up a truth about discipleship, okay? I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you know, you can really get in the way sometimes. And then, and then I want you to repeat after me this next truth. There are some things in me. Go ahead. There are some things in me that can get in the way of we. That's weird. You guys got way quieter on that one. I I don't know. It's just strange. Isn't it true? There are some things in each of us that can get in the way of what Jesus might want to do through all of us. I think we'd all acknowledge that. I think we could all see that. We could all get on board with that. And this is where we've arrived in Mark chapter 9. Last week we looked at this. The disciples, Jesus has just said, hey, I'm gonna be delivered into the hands of men and I'm gonna be put to death before I rise again. And there, there was this argument that arose among the disciples. And it wasn't like an argument over what should we do in honor of Jesus. No, it was, well, I wonder which of us is the greatest here. And you look at it and you just think, Ugh. and as much as I shake my head at it, I go, that's in all of us, right? We, we all have a, a form of, tri- have you heard of trip hazards? You know, trip hazards are those times you're going down the stairs and it's so silly. I mean, you're not anticipating it, but you miss the last step. Yeah, it's a trip hazard. Or like the carpet's turned up just a little bit, but that's a trip hazard. Or you've heard me talk about dumb injuries, Like, I've got to get my bite analyzed, actually, because it happened again recently. You know, I've had in the past, like, I'll bite into a cookie, a crumb flies up into my eye, and I'm, like, out of commission for an hour because I'm trying to get a crumb out of my eye. You know, it always seems to be the eyes. There was one morning, I'm getting real vulnerable with you guys right now, okay? Um, I had this spray deodorant. So I'm, like, aiming it upward at what I think is the armpit, hit myself in the eye, and I think... Wow, I'm really feeling qualified to preach the word of God right now. But this week is a barbecue chip. Same thing. Barbecue in your eye. Just imagine it. I think it's still there, actually. Anyway, we all have some things in us that can get in the way of what God is wanting to do through us. And so it's on the heels of this argument between the disciples over who is the greatest that Jesus, we're going to see, he's going to use this argument and he's going to use this conversation that has come up to remind us that we all have some trip hazards in our lives and we all have some issues in us that as we interact with different kinds of people, in fact, we're going to see four of them in the passage that Troy just read. There are four categories of people in every single person in here's lives. There are four categories of people that can trip us up. And so as we walk through the passage, I, wanna, I want us to drill down and look at what those are so that you can be aware, and that you and I can be aware. And at the end of it, see what is Jesus' guidance in light of all this. And so the first, the first category of person that comes up, let's look at Mark nine thirty-eight through 40. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. And if you happen to grab sermon notes on the way in, that first category of person that can trip you and I up, those who are different from us. Those who are different from us. In the real danger that you and I have, there's there's an attitude of heart that creeps in when we encounter people that are different from us especially, especially in following Jesus. And it's this attitude, it's this attitude of us versus them. Did you hear John's language there? Because he was not one of us. And we've all been there, right? We tend to look at like, okay, yeah, we're this team, and they're that team, and there can't possibly be anything good in that team. So it's all about us and how we do things. See, for John, this was the crux of the issue. He's looking at this man who is, is is exorcising demons and he says, he's not in our, he's not in our little group here, Jesus. And yet that wasn't the issue for Jesus. Jesus, for him, the issue was that this unnamed exorcist, he recognized Jesus' name and the power of that name. And so he, Jesus said, don't stop him. Don't stop him. Now we come up against this, don't we? I mean, for us, it may, not be, it may not be looking at somebody casting out demons, but don't we have some different areas we're susceptible to this? Right? Generationally? I mean, come on. I, I'm already, I'm 42 years old now, and already I'm looking at like the teenagers, and I'm like, well, that's not how we did it. And yet I remember hearing when I was, you know, we, we always say this, when I was a kid, it was uphill both ways, in the snow, crawling people throwing things at me, you know, it's just like, it, it was so incredibly hard for all of us just to get to school or something, and, and, and yet we do this, you know, older generations look at younger generations and say, you don't have to go through what we went through, and younger generations are looking at older generations, and they're thinking, why'd you ever do it that way, and here's, here's the thing that we have to remember as we sit in a church, a multi-generational church together. Younger generations, we stand on the shoulders of what God did through the generations that came before us. We stand on their shoulders. Older generations, there has to be an understanding that there are dynamics that you may never have had to face that younger generations are having to face, and they need support and guidance. And then for those of us in the middle, Generation X, we're just perfect, okay? So um, let's close in prayer. Now, but generationally, you know, we can do an us versus them, can't we? With our giftings, you know, God has gifted every single one of us differently. It's easy for us to go, well, they they don't understand because they don't carry the load I carry, or they don't have to do the work I have to do. Denominations, especially in the church, you know, it's easy for denominations to to pick at one another, and yet it's all, hopefully, done in the name of Jesus. Different ministries, we can look at one another, Politics, political affiliation, let's just move right on through that one. Okay, enough said, right? But politics can get in the way. Churches, you know, I I go to this other church and they do it this way. Why don't you do it this way? We do it this way. Why don't they do it that way? I mean, even my wife and I, you know, we often giggle because I sit there and I think, if not for the body of Christ, we never would have married each other. I don't even know that we would have known each other. I mean, she was big in the choir in Dakota Ridge, you know, and I was going to these choir performances, you know, like her senior year. And I just remember thinking, this is not the crowd that I was around in high school. I mean, I was around a bunch of wrestlers, and we were we didn't even know choir existed. And so, but, but we can do this, right? Those who are different from us. In fact, I'm reminded of this weekly. You know what God did? I, I, when I became pastor, something happened, and I just... I had this assumption, oh, yeah, God, you, you're gonna, you've blessed me and put me in a church to serve in a church full of Michigan Wolverine fans. It's incredible. You know what I discovered? No. Like Will Gould, he's up here. He's a Penn State fan. So is Rich back there. Mike's a Notre Dame fan. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to even point out the Ohio State fans, you know, we're still trying to, um, I'm, still, I'm still walking alongside them. But it's only in Christ, right? It's only in Christ that we can walk alongside those different from us. So we can't get tripped up over our differences. Jesus moves into another category of people that you have in your life and I have in my life. And you are in other people's lives. Listen to this. Truly I tell you, verse 41, truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. See, so you, you know another category of person you have in your life, and I have in mine, and we are to other people? Those who are needy. Those who are needy. And there's this attitude of heart that we have to watch for that really tends to measure. You know, this attitude of heart of great versus little. We tend to look at everything as great Or not so great. You know, that need is worthy of me responding to, but that one's little. Somebody else will take care of that. We can go there. One of the things we've got to understand is the context that they were living in and what Jesus knew was coming for these guys. They were just sitting on and even entering into a period of great persecution, especially for followers of Jesus. And we know that from the first century alone. You know, when Nero became emperor, many, many Christians put to death on his orders. And so for them, a cup of water. I mean, people who went through the Holocaust would have understood this. Because you had people housing Jews, hiding Jews. But it it was also common for people to give up the people who were helping hide the Jews. And so Jesus said, even a cup of water. Even somebody who's willing to give a cup of water, it's significant. And you come to today in our context, I mean, sure, there is, there, it's been tumultuous, but it's not persecution. I mean, it, it is not the violent, violent persecution of the first century. And so we look at a different array of needs. And one of the things we've got to watch for and, and guard against is measurement of needs. Can we respond to the needs of the people right in front of us? And so we can't measure against it. We get this thing, right, where we think, I've got to do great things for God. You, have you said that before? I just want to do great things for God. And I appreciate that heart, but what if God's already up to great things? And he's inviting us to step into those. Maybe one of those great things he's doing is the offer of a cup of water or something equivalent. The other thing we've got to guard against is the nature of, right? We can begin, you know, we could all, like, leave this sermon and start, like, going to the drinking fountain, handing everybody water on the way out, okay? I think everybody's going to find water. But in this room, there is a vast amount of need, isn't there? I mean, you have spiritual need in here. You have people who have been so broken, so ground down by life. I remember going, and I've shared this with you. I went to my 20-year high school reunion a few years ago. And and I saw people that I was sure I would never talk to. And yet, when we sat down at a table together, you know what I discovered? Life kicks everybody hard. Life kicks absolutely everyone. So there are spiritual needs in this room, aren't there? There are emotional needs in this room. The amount of grief going on, especially over the last few years, But even beyond and outside of the last few years and a pandemic and COVID and all that, there's great emotional distress out there. There's physical need, like Jesus pointed out here. Whether it is a cup of water, whether it is shelter and clothes and food, we have to have eyes wide open because we can overlook the needy, can't we? If we don't measure it the same or if it's not the nature of need that we think it ought to be. Jesus moves into a third category. Mark 9.42 says this, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. And we see a third category here. We've had those who are different, those who are needy, and this, those who are weak. Those who are weak. And the heart attitude that we've got to guard against is me versus you. Me versus you. In other words, just because I see it one way doesn't mean that you see it that way. And just because I struggle or don't struggle with something doesn't mean that you don't. And Jesus, as he, as he uses this word millstone, this, they would have known exactly what he was talking about here. Because one of the forms of Roman execution at the time would be to take this millstone. It's like a. It was also referred to as a donkey stone. So when a donkey was treading grain and they, they had attached it to this stone that they'd go around and around with, say, he's saying it would be better for you. It would be better for you to have one of those heavy stones tied to your neck and thrown into a river or a lake or the sea, which is how Romans executed some people at that time. And as graphic as it is, we have to remember, Jesus still has this little child standing amongst them. And he says, if you are to cause one of these, if you're to lead one of these into sin, it would be better for the millstone thing to happen to you. We get this, don't we? I mean, you can, you can probably sit back and go, okay, somebody may come at me, somebody may offend me, and eventually we can start to get over it, right? But parents, somebody messes with your kids, It's a different story, isn't it? I mean, I'm a pastor. I want people to know Jesus. But if you touch my kids, you're going to go meet Jesus really fast, okay? (laughs) Right? We get it. Jesus held the little ones so dearly, literal children, but also children in the faith. No matter what age they were, he looked at those who were children in him, children in the faith. And he said, don't cause them. Don't lead them into stumbling. And there are a number of ways this can happen. I mean, it's an uncomfortable verse. But we can lead people into sin, can't we? We can directly tempt one another. And often the way this happens, I believe in Christian circles, is we go, eh, it's not not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. There's grace. You're forgiven. Right? We can directly tempt one another. We can indirectly tempt one another. That is, we can provoke one another. It could be just wicked example. Just being a wicked example. Not keeping guard of our own hearts. Mature believers, you're going to be familiar with what Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Not, or everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, yes, Paul was saying, I'm free in Christ. I'm not bound by the law. I'm now under the law of grace. But if my exercise of my freedom causes somebody who's younger in the faith, newer in the faith, weaker in their faith than I am. If it causes them to stumble, then I got to step back from it. Yes, Paul says I know I'm free, but I'm watching out for them. We can fail to lead people into the example of Christ. This is that thing that sometimes we do. We bring people to church and we go, "All right, pastor, sick them, right? Get them. You know, Think it's somebody else's job instead of our own as a body when we're out during the week outside of Sunday. There are a number of ways we can lead people into it, can't we? And Jesus goes on. He says, here's how serious I am about it. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And then he moves to the foot. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And then he moves to the eyes. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't being literal here. Because in their culture, and according to Jewish just belief system, self mutilation like this was prohibited. But he said there should be an attitude of the heart that is so serious about causing somebody to stumble that I'd be more willing to perform this radical surgery on myself. And look at the th- the things he uses: the hand, that is, as I think about the way I do things, my feet. As I think about the direction my life is going, in the eyes, as I think about what I desire or what I see, let me not cause another to stumble. And when you look at what Jesus says, it would be better to enter maimed or crippled or without one eye when you look at what he has to say about the reality of hell. It's a cheap price to pay. It's a very cheap price to pay. And so Jesus says, be so willing in the heart to get rid of whatever that sin is. And then he moves into a fourth category. He says this in verse 49. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. And this is that fourth category that you probably are more aware exists in your life than any other category, those who are contentious. And some of you are pointing right now, and you're the contentious one, all right? No, we all have those that a face comes to mind or your face comes to somebody else's mind where we have the contentious ones in our lives. And you know what it is? It's this posture and this attitude of the heart. that is basically I in me versus their emphasis on I. It's I versus I. I know best. I'm greatest, as the disciples had just been arguing. <clears throat> in, in 1265, the year 1265, the Mongol Empire, it spanned all of Asia, like from the Black Sea to the Pacific. And as they were making their advances, one of the things that happened around that time is they were actually very, very open to the idea of Christianity. And it's been said that Kublai Khan, actually commissioned Marco Polo. I know some of you are like, hey, I play that game in the pool. No, this is, yes, this is based on him, okay? So he commissioned Marco Polo to go back to the church in Rome to have them send 100 men to come and teach his court about Christianity. Do you know what happened on the heels of this? Because of all the infighting amongst the Christians and how things were done and different, uh, just differences. In nuances in Christianity, it took 28 years for a single man to return to that court, let alone 100. 28 years. And you look at it, and you just shake your head, and you think, oh my goodness. I mean, how often do we trip ourselves up? And this is what Jesus is getting at with the disciples. If you're not careful, if you continue to go down this, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest." you're going to get tripped up, and the mission isn't going to go anywhere. Now, you contrast this with what Paul had to say in Philippians, and I I got to tell you, if there's any verse that makes me mad in scripture, it's this one right here, okay? You'll see in just a minute. All right, Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. It's true. Here's Paul's under house arrest. He's in chains. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill and you know what we do right there mentally we go mm. so these guys are disqualified and the good, the ones who are doing it out of goodwill they're qualified paul goes on the latter do so out of love knowing that i'm put here for the defense of the gospel the former preached christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while i'm in chains and then he says this thing that i just get so angry at but what does it matter Well, of course it matters, Paul, right? You got some people in your life that you're like, oh, if people only knew. I mean, there's the words that are coming out of their mouth, but if people only knew. And Paul says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Ah, I don't like that. I just don't like that because I like to think that I do it out of goodwill and others do it for less than selfish motives. And it's quite a contrast, isn't it, to what naturally comes up within us and yet what Paul reminds us of from captivity? So come back to Mark 9, verse 49 and 50. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. And there's three things just in those couple of verses that we've got to lock onto. Number one, when you and I are staring at somebody, whether they're different or they're weak or they're needy or they're contentious, here's the truth that Jesus promised for everybody. You will be salted with fire. There will be suffering that comes along. There is just going to be. I mean, how, how many of us? You, you, could just, you could get up here and you could tell your story, couldn't you? And yet, it is all across the board. The thing that we share in common is the thing that I had to be reminded of at that high school reunion. Life kicks everybody. Everyone in here is salted with fire. And we're in that together. Number two, we're salted with a mission. In other words, Jesus is getting something at something here. Not only are you salted with suffering, not only does that. Play a role in God shaping you and how you're formed and he can use it and no, you wouldn't have ever planned for it or wanted it, but you also have a mission. You have a mission to go to those. You have a mission to go and be seasoning to them in their lives as they walk through their suffering. He says, guys, you're in this together. And finally, third, excuse me, there's got to be salt between us. There has got to be salt between us. See, in the ancient East, and even today, one of the things that happens uh, between Arabs specifically, whether they've met before or not, it's common for them to sit down at a meal together, and the phrase they'll use is, there is salt between us. In other words, we are together because we sit at a table together. And regardless of the differences or whatever contention is between them, It goes away because there is salt among us. See, the thing that we have to be reminded of when you look at what Jesus has to say here is that God uses seasoned disciples to preserve his presence. I mean, it was the presence of Jesus here on the earth. He ascended to heaven. He sent his spirit. And Jesus is pointing out here. Disciples, you're going to go through a seasoning process. There is a saltiness about you. And I don't mean get salty with each other, but you are seasoned with the salt of the suffering, the mission, and the fellowship with one another. We have got to be salt when we walk out these doors. People have to encounter the seasoning of God in our lives. So how do you do that? How do you do that? I'm reminded that this is not something where I go home and I'm like I'm just I'm going to be salted and somehow I'm going to put God's metaphorical, you know, divine salt on me. You want to know how you end up salty? You've been to the ocean? How many of you have been to the ocean? Okay, how many of you've heard of the ocean? All right. Okay. Okay, this is a win. I think we're 100%. So, you get out to the ocean and isn't isn't it true that you just walk around for a little bit And suddenly there's like salt everywhere, isn't there? I don't mean like you see it, but like your skin's drying out. You know, it's in your eyes. It's all over. I'm not going to go into the specifics of what all over means, but right, we get salty. We used to go on these youth trips and we would take these camcorders. Remember camcorders? Okay, we'll, we'll teach you about them sometime. Okay, so... You, we would carry these camcorders around on these youth trips, and we found that every single year we were having to send these things in for repair. And the reason was the salt that was part of just these, the sea level, like the beach areas, especially in California, it gets into the circuitry of the camcorder, and you end up having to send these things in for repairs. Now, that's a camera, but you're a soul. The way you get salty... And the way you become seasoned with the salt that Jesus is talking about is to just be immersed in his presence. It's like going to the ocean. You don't even have to hop in to get salty. And so it's time in his presence. And see, this is why. This is why we've got to make the connection to the church. You know what you have in the church? You have an opportunity for God to salt you, to salt your life that you'd go forth and become the salt of the earth. And so it might be in his word. And a lot of us, you know, we try to go about it individually, and we make it three days, and then we don't make it any further than that. It's because God intended for that to happen within the body. And, and yes, it's important, the individual time, same with prayer. We've got to have that individual time for him to salt us, but also with one another. But it's also being part of the body of Christ. That's why if you're here and you join us on Sunday mornings, that is wonderful. I'd invite you to consider some deeper ways to get involved, whether it's a group to be part of, a place to serve, a Bible study to join, because God will use all of it to season our lives to go forth. And so with that being said, let me invite the worship team back up. I will close in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we come before you. And as much as we wake up in the morning, and honestly, we've got a lot of times we've got us on our minds and us alone, remind us that you and your grace have seen fit to put us in a body with other people that are different from us, that are needy, that are weak, and that could be contentious. And Lord, remind us that we also fall into each of those categories. And so as we look at how you form disciples how you did it as we read it in Mark and how you're still doing it today. Remind us that, Lord, the the way we get a life that is seasoned with you and your salt to go out into the world is to be in your presence. And so, Lord, open our eyes. Show us this week how we can become immersed in your presence to go forth and preserve your presence in the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.